I cannot imagine the bruising, burning pain of being beaten on your bare back with rods. My dad used his belt on me once or twice or three or four times. My mother broke her hairbrush over me once, to my great relief. I really wasn't that bad a kid. I don't know what their problem was. But, but I cannot imagine the pain of being beaten as an adult after being stripped. And yet that's what the record reads here in Acts chapter 16. Open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Acts. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the one in the pew rack in front of you. It would be page 746. Acts chapter 16. I'll be in the New International Version. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Acts 16, 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Those two vagabond missionaries to a little burg called Philippi got bold in Christ and brought down the wrath of an entire city upon their heads. So the crowd is joining in. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now verse 24. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell. That would be maximum security. He puts them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Your back is a palette of black and blue and red all over. You're forced to sit on your bruised and bleeding buttocks because your swollen ankles and feet are jammed in wooden stocks that, if you're claustrophobic, will pin you into hyperventilation. You can't lean against the cell wall. The wounds on your back are too tender. And so you have to hold yourself in an erect, unnatural position as long as your bruised muscles will allow. After which you hunch over forward, stretching your bleeding back, re-cracking your scabs into another paroxysm of pain. What is a Christian supposed to do? Paul and Silas start singing. Look at verse 25. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Probably not one of those blow out your speakers, stomp your feet, high five and God kind of praise songs. Maybe, just maybe, one of them, maybe, maybe it was Silas, I don't know, could have been Paul. One of them begins to hum very quietly. And before he knows it, his partner in in that anguish, quietly joins. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed? Even a hum can be very contagious. When I come in from running in the early morning, Karen will be ironing her nursing uniform there in the bedroom as I'm heading on my way to the shower. And sometimes she'll be humming a praise tune. And before I know it, I'll be there shaving and showering, humming the identical tune, and I'm thinking of the very same words. Because a hum can be very 
contagious. Without a word. Kind of like this. contagious, which means that your mind and spirit can even catch, can catch the infectious praise on your lips, even when you're suffering. Or if I could rephrase that, especially, especially when you're suffering. Now, look, I'm not talking about some sort of Pollyanna-ish, God is good and this really doesn't hurt kind of possibility thinking foolery, because life does hurt and pain is real. Which is why some of you, for some of you right now, it's midnight. The sun hasn't been up for you in weeks. Dark, cold, hurt, chained and locked by circumstances beyond your control or perhaps in your control. It's midnight. Lewis Smedes in his provocative book, How Can It Be All Right When Everything's All Wrong, suggests that even... Marriage is an intended midnight of suffering for all who enter therein. Some of you are looking forward very much to getting married not too long from now. Others of you have been married for a while. Listen up. Quoting Lewis Meads now, I'll put it on the screen for you. Anybody's marriage, anybody's marriage is a harvest of suffering. Romantic lotus eaters may tell you marriage was designed to be a pleasure dome for erotic spirits to frolic in self-fulfilling relations. They play you false. Your marriage vow was a promise to suffer. What are you ha ha about in a choir? Come on, you say it in the vow. In health and in sickness, in poverty or in wealth, your vow is a promise to suffer. But a woman... And by the way, you promise to hurt with your spouse. A marriage is a life of shared pain. Now we go. But a woman who is living inside a husband's pain while he is slowly, surely devoured by cancer knows what suffering with can be like. Maybe it hurts her worse than it hurts him. Maybe she wants it to go away more than he does. Sometimes as the months hang long, she may wish he would hurry up and die, get it over with, and leave her to grieve and be done with it. It is hard, this suffering with, when it lasts too long. No sweet hypocrisy, please. No hankering after single-minded positive thinking. Let there be ambiguity. I like that. Let there be ambiguity. The point is that in spite of the negative feelings that creep inside her heart, she chooses to feel his hurt with him. How long? As long as the other person suffers. End quote. Because midnight's 
can last for days and even years. And by the way, not just with marriage, but with all the rest of the business of surviving life. You want to talk about finances? You want to talk about school? You want to talk about children? You want to talk about health, mental health, physical health? You want to talk about a career or the lack thereof? We all suffer, young and aged alike. We all have our midnights, all of us. And for some of us, it's midnight right now. So how, how can we possibly praise in the midst of a midnight of pain? You know what we need to do, ladies and gentlemen? We need to take a page out of Paul and Silas' playbook. Let me read that verse again, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Of course they're listening. They couldn't go to sleep with all that singing. But they're listening because this is not the way two prisoners are usually locked in, inter- in, in uh, maximum security. Usually the night air is filled with invectives and curses and screams against the jailer. These boys are singing. But then that's the truth about praise, isn't it? Praise is contagious. Hallelujah. Not only contagious to those around you, it's even contagious to yourself. A hundred years ago, these words were written. Let me put them on the screen for you. It is a law of nature. That our thoughts and feelings are encouraged and strengthened as we give them utterance. While words express thoughts, it's also true that thoughts follow words. If we would give more expression to our faith, rejoice more in the blessings that we know we have, the great mercy and love of God, for instance, we should have more faith and greater joy. Now listen to this. Let praise and thanksgiving be expressed in song. Do you know what a hum is? A hum is singing a song with your lips closed. Read on. When tempted, instead of giving utterance to our feelings, let us by faith lift up a song of thanksgiving to God. Song is a weapon that we can always use against discouragement. As we thus open the heart to the sunlight of the Savior's presence, we shall have health and His blessing. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? A song of praise injects the sunlight of Christ's presence into the midnight of our problem, into the midnight of our pain. Hallelujah. All this semester, you and I have been encouraging each other to hide God's Word in our hearts, to memorize Scripture, to lock onto those great promises of the Bible. Three weeks ago, I came across a single line, and I'd like to close by testifying to you of the divine power I have found in just one little old line from Scripture. Now, I'm reading the Psalms. I I, I read a Psalm every day of my life. One psalm a day. When I get to 150, go back to one. I'm now reading them through in the King James Version. And three weeks ago, I came across Psalm 34, verse 1. I want you to check this out in your Bible, please. Psalm 34, verse 1. Take a look at this. don't want you to forget this one line. Psalm 34, verse 1. Now, I'm working on memorizing from the KJV. And so I'm going to put the KJV on the screen for you. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord... At all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, your newer translations say His praise will be on my lips. But that's one of the reasons I like the King James, because it's so cockamated and so unusual that it actually sticks in your mind better, I think. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Now, when I read those words, I said, hey, say, wait a minute, I- I've heard these words before. I have a CD of a choir. 
in New York City. And this choir, I've heard them sing this over and over and over again. And so as soon as I saw I said, wait a minute, I know the tune to this. And by the way, if you want to, if you want to memorize a text, a great aid for memorization is to simply attach a tune to it. Any tune you wish. Just remember the tune with the words and you'll never forget the words. And so when I saw Psalm 34, 1, I said, I know this one. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, you can sing it with me. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's exactly what Paul and Silas were doing there in prison. They were blessing the Lord at all times. And His praise, oh, His praise was continually in their mouths. But the story's not over. Because I discovered a powerful antidote in this simple Bible song of praise. An antidote to discouragement. This is the stuff I struggle with. Discouragement, anger, impatience, temptation. For example, this last Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm raking the leaves out of our garage. Do, do you remember the humongous wind we had this last Sunday? I mean, it was, it was a gale force. What was it? Force seven or something? That was a big wind. Bad mistake trying to rake the leaves out of your garage. But anyway, so I'm, I'm getting all the leaves and just having a wonderful time. I get all the leaves right up there and I say, you know what? Forget the dustpan. I'm just batting these out and just boom. But that crazy wind was waiting for me. I swear it was waiting for me and just boom, blew it all back in. And I said, well, I can handle this. And I did it again. And the, the, the identical response. And you know what? I started feeling anger inside of me. I started feeling, what is the problem with these leaves? I'm taking it out on inanimate objects and an inanimate wind. And just like that, Spirit said, hey, go ahead. I'm really not keen on your voice, but do you mind singing to me again that little line you learned in Psalm 34, 1? And I said, okay. And I started singing, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord. At all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And you know what? I got over it. I got, hallelujah, I got over it. Sometime later, I'm walking through our house, walking around the corner of the bathroom, and my little toe caught the bathroom cabinet. I will bless the Lord at all times. The Spirit brought it. Guys, I'm not telling you anything about me. I'm telling you that we have a wonderful spirit who says, I'm your, I'm your friend. And if you want to praise God all the time, and if you want my praise continually in your mouth, open your mind to me. I'll step in when you need it. Within the last three weeks, I came to a time when I was getting this little kind of funkish pity party. Kind of upset for the way things were going. And I'm saying, what's the problem? And the more I think about it, you know, for me at least, the worse it gets. And I'm in the midst of this little pity party when the Holy Spirit comes along again. He says, you know, I really do like that Psalm 34, 1. Say it again to me, will you? And I said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I kept saying it. And you know what? It just lifted. It just lifted. And He took it away. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the point 
The point is that the Spirit can powerfully utilize a song on our lips to change the attitude in our hearts because praise is contagious. It's contagious to yourself. You will begin to believe what you're saying, what you're humming, what you're singing. What we read just a moment ago from Ministry of Healing. Look at this. When tempted, instead of giving utterance to our feelings, let us by faith lift up a song of thanksgiving to God. Paul and Silas are chained in midnight pain. They could have defaulted to Dylan Thomas's way of handling it. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. But they chose instead to penetrate the dark with their praise for God and their thanksgiving. And by the way, their praise was contagious. The jailer got saved. And it may just be the salvation of us all. How does that great verse in the Bible go? Thy word have I sung in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Which, by the way, is the secret to having thanksgiving all year 